Today on Categorical Imperatives, we are going to be talking about how the ACLU has recently jumped the shark with the new proclamation they made, and we will be touching on why all gun control is racist. Hey, greetings and welcome back once again to Categorical Imperatives. As always, I am your host, Lockie and Liberal, and I do want to thank you all so much for being here with me today. Now, if you are new to the program, I do especially want to welcome you. Uh, this is a podcast where we're going to be using legal theory and moral philosophy to discuss current events related to law, politics, and culture. Uh, and I just want to remind you guys, if you want to help out the show, there's a number of ways you can go do that. You can go to Venmo, you can go to PayPal. Uh, your best bet, though, is Patreon, because I have a bunch of extra goodies there uh, for members only, uh, such as a new section that I just put up that I'm calling Law School Show Notes, uh, which is uh, information, law review articles, uh, things like that, just that are uh, related to the topic for the day and are uh, of a special interest to someone uh, who is going through law school. I know a lot of people who watch the channel are students, so uh, go and check all of that out. The, the links are down in the description. All right, but enough whoring myself out. Let's uh, just get to the topic for today, huh? Oh, and I, I, I do also want to say real quick, too, that um, if you are able to help out the show, uh, that I would really appreciate it. You could help me grow the channel uh, and to uh, eventually engage in a richer discussion about law and philosophy. But if you are not in a place to put your financial support behind the show right now, that's totally all right. I, I still am very grateful for you spending some of your time here with me today all the same. So, with that said, now let's move on. Now, one could make a very good argument that our nation's oldest and most successful gun control advocacy group was the Ku Klux Klan. Their earliest incarnation was largely as a means of disarming newly freed blacks. Now, for the last five years, we have been hearing from much of the corporate media, such as CNN and MSNBC, that our nation is awash in Klansmen all across the country, preaching their hateful belief in white supremacy. Now, this has seemed like an utterly baseless claim based on the idea of, you know, dog-whistling racists spreading their hateful rhetoric with a wink and a nod. But over the last week, I have come to realize that I think they might absolutely be right. Those people, uh, the Klansmen we are talking about, have very cleverly taken off their hoods and white robes and exchanged them for a three-piece suit and a law degree as their secret means of distinguishing one bigot from another. Uh, through, you know, um, They've also gone through some serious, serious rebranding, too, which is just a good idea. Uh, and they have uh, apparently changed the name of their organization from the KKK to the ACLU. Now, it was about five years ago when the ACLU put out a public statement that their organization had decided to stop considering any litigation that was based uh, 
on defending the right to keep and bear arms as an essential civil liberty, uh, specifically in any case where it claims that the Second Amendment uh, is an individual right, as it is. Um, but nothing could have prepared me for the most recent announcement from this organization. Now, this is an organization, the ACLU, I once held in the highest regard. I have the greatest respect for what these people have accomplished historically. That said, uh, their take is that the Second Amendment isn't a right, it's a manifestation of white supremacy and anti-blackness. So not only has the ACLU turned its back on the Bill of Rights that it was founded to protect, they have collectively forgotten how to even read the fucking Constitution. Something you hear me say on the show here a lot is the Constitution is not the law that governs us. The Constitution is the law that governs those who govern us. To act as though the Second Amendment is a grant to the people of a right to keep and bear arms is a legal absurdity. The right of every individual to defend themselves by force of arms is a natural right we had before our government was formed. It is a right we will have long after this American empire collapses. Uh, and the preamble to the Bill of Rights makes this very clear when it says these states, having at the time of adopting the Constitution, expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, uh, end quote. So the Second Amendment has nothing to do with protecting our right to arms. It is a declaratory statement that reminds the government that because these rights already exist independent of any document stating as much, that the government has no fucking business taking any arms from any individual the Second Amendment says nothing about race, and therefore any attempt by uh, government to disarm any group of people cannot be restricted either through the democratic process or government fiat for any reason, including race. Anytime our government has denied the right to own arms to certain groups of people, and that has happened, no doubt, uh, or to remove uh, the right to own a particular category of firearm, uh, from all people, what is taking place in both of those situations is an abrogation of the Second Amendment, and it is repugnant to the expressly delegated constitutional authority that Congress has. And, though the Second Amendment is an individual right, for the sake of argument, uh, let's say we grant the ACLU's indefensible claim that the Second Amendment is indeed a collective right of militias, or as Justice Stevens erroneously put it in the D.C. versus Heller case, that the Second Amendment is an individual right to arms, but it is predicated on service in a militia. None of this changes the fact that the militias were never created as an excuse for groups of racist thugs to terrorize slaves by breaking into their quarters to ransack the place looking for weapons or escaped slaves. Not one shred of evidence has ever backed that up. Every single source we have from the founders as the government was being formed makes it very clear that the militias are essential 
uh, to, if possible, make a standing army unnecessary, and when a standing army must indeed be formed, uh, the Second Amendment and the uh, Joining Militia Acts uh, are a bulwark to protect the citizens should the government decide to turn that standing army against its own people. I guess you could say that uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment is there so when push comes to shove that we can make sure it is the people and not the government doing the pushing and the shoving. Now, the militia was not a domestic police force. We continued to approach law enforcement much the same way we did under the colonies under the British common law. There was generally an official like the sheriff who could put out the hue and cry or enable the posse comitatus. This whole argument by the ACLU shows a complete lack of principles that is fundamental to uh, their living constitution interpretation. But the problem is, of course, when a text can mean anything, it will always mean nothing. Look, it is a sad fact that when our government created uh, this brilliant charter that is our constitution and premised it on limited government and individual liberty, we did not truly live those values right away. But the ACLU doesn't really believe the Second Amendment is racist. They just don't like the fact that the majority of Americans have not fully submitted to the government as their one and only protector, and they need us to give up our guns for that to happen, and it's not going to. Now, I, in fact, I think I can prove that their disapproval has nothing to do with racism. So, in the reason to the statutory companion to the Fourth Fourteenth Amendment, called the Civil Rights Act of 1867, uh, guaranteed to all individuals, including freedmen, quote, to have the full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons and estates, including the constitutional right of bearing arms, end quote, was because, too often, blacks were being denied their right to bear arms in spite of the Second Amendment, not because of it. If you extend this logic to other amendments and statutes that were meant to protect the rights of freedmen uh, that were being denied to them, you would have to come to the conclusion that voting is racist. After all, the 15th Amendment needed to be passed because, despite being citizens, many freedmen were also being denied their right to vote by the same races who were denying them their right to have a gun for their defense. The only principled conclusion the ACLU could reach is that voting is racist and democracy is a clear example of white supremacy and anti-blackness that is supposedly inseparable from any right because at any point in our history in the past, there has been a point where a right has not been protected to everyone absolutely, equally, absolutely, consistently since the Constitution's ratification from 1788 until today. In fact, voting is even more bigoted than the right to bear arms. There has never been a time in this country where women were the denied the right to own, carry, or use a gun for all lawful purposes. But they weren't allowed to vote for over a hundred years until the passage of the 19th Amendment. So, when the ACLU 
comes out against voting as a means of sexist oppression and declares democracy a bigoted curse of the patriarchy, I will be happy to take their claim that they really believe the Second Amendment is racist as something they actually believe. Now, I'm not sure why a group like the ACLU, um, that, to their credit, do seem to understand the very existence of a police force is an existential threat to our safety and our liberty, takes a strong position against citizens keeping arms to take responsibility for their own protection. If the police aren't going to, someone has to. Now, the ACLU recognizes that these truly corrupt cops are really more than just the few bad apples we often hear about from law and order conservatives. Now, don't get me wrong, they're not the entire bushel either. But even the most honest, integrous police officer who genuinely wants to make his community uh, better and do everything by the book are themselves a threat because the book they follow imposes all manner of police powers that are wholly inconsistent with many of the provisions of our theoretically limited government. And the vast majority of laws they enforce are entirely immoral prima facie. So, even police who may be very good, honest, ethical people in their private lives, believing that they are doing the right thing when they throw people in cages for carrying a plant, they believe that they are doing the right thing when they seize thousands of dollars in cash or tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of personal property under civil asset forfeiture laws, because apparently the only people who carry cash and own nice things are all drug dealers or something, I don't know. Uh, the ACLU seems to understand all of those things perfectly well and agree, uh, and even these actions, uh, though inside the bounds of the law, are outside the bounds of ethical policing. And yet, they want these people who already have a dangerous excess of power to be the only ones with guns, and that somehow we can trust them to only use uh, the, that total totalitarian level of control uh, in a way that is helpful to law-abiding citizens and that is used in proportion to the amount of force necessary against the criminal element of society. And that all gun control is inherently racist to me uh, seems absurd that I would even really have to explain why, but I suppose I do. Now, until the end of the Civil War, these several states were a de facto equivalent of our modern de jure constitutional carry. And... Once blacks gained their freedom and citizenship is when the first gun control laws were enacted. That these measures were officially known as the Black Codes tells you everything you need to know about their purpose. Now, the next great gun grab was the passage of the NFA in 1934. And this was sold to the general public as a necessary step to protect the people from those shifty Italians that made up the Mafia who, of course, only came into existence after the government created a black market so lucrative by passing the Volstead Act and eventually the 18th Amendment prohibition on liquor, that the government needed a scapegoat, so the violence that they created 
wasn't blamed on them. All we needed to do, they said, was just get rid of those machine guns and those short-barreled rifles and silencers that are so popular among the bootleggers, and these violent foreigners won't kill anyone anymore, because, of course, they won't commit a criminal act like keeping the illegal gun they own. Next, we have the amendment to the NFA under Title II known as the Gun Control Act of 1968. Because white people were terrified that groups like the Black Panthers were beginning to think they also had a right to have weapons for their own lawful self-defense. And so after the inner city riots in Watts and Detroit, as well as the Black Panthers showing up to the Capitol building in California, where the legislature had been meeting, uh, they got really scared and passed a bill known as the Mulford Act in California, that eventually became the basis for the federal laws that were unquestionably meant to take the guns out of hands minorities tired of being treated as second-class citizens and took their rights into their own hands. That every major act of gun control here in America has always been motivated by racism is perfectly clear. We saw the same thing with the 1986 amendment to the NFA, known as uh, FOPA, uh, and the 1994 assault weapons ban that were part of racist policies that were meant to get tough on crime and mostly just ended up destroying the family unit in the inner city where these policies were targeted. So look, I understand that from its founding... We have often fallen short uh, to living up to the idea of equal liberty for all people. But that doesn't make it a bad idea. And it doesn't mean a better solution is to give up our natural rights and exist in perfect and equal tyranny. I prefer perfect and equal liberty for all. I don't know if that's possible, but I do believe it's worth continuing to strive towards and in the meantime, I will take imperfect liberty over perfect tyranny every single time. Well, that is going to do it for me here today. This is kind of a quicker show than usual. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I will be back with more episodes soon. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you can go over uh, and uh, take a look and consider signing up over at Patreon, I would really uh, appreciate the support. Uh, this channel is its really something I want to start doing as much as possible, but I obviously need to be able to, uh, y you know. Anyway, you know, you know. so um, if you can do that, uh, head on over to the Patreon. The link's down in the description. I would be very, very grateful. And again, if you can't, that's all right. Uh, all I ask is if you would just think of uh, one person you know who you think would really like this episode here today, would find it interesting or helpful, um, uh, and just share it with them. And if you would do that for me and help me grow the channel that way, I would be very, very grateful for your help. So, uh, until next time, I guess all that's left to say is that this has been me, Locking Liberal, for Categorical Imperatives, talking about how all gun control is racist, and how the ACLU has jumped the shark. And of course, as always, De Lenda est Cartago.